Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! Sixteen down, four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Countdown, baby, and a foul! Reggie inside for Andre, oh. and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. The whole crew here today, Brendan Johnson, Ryan Pay, Aaron Johnson here with you. And, you know, we have a little bit more of a positive taste today. The Pistons have won two out of their last three games. And, yes, we are literally celebrating two out of the last three games the Pistons have won. That is where we're at as a fan base. But, guys can't complain about it. We're seeing some really good things out of the Pistons over the last few games. The one loss was a three-point loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. You may have seen us on the uh, At Palace of Pistons Twitter page. Ryan, Aaron, and I were at the game, had a little pregame and postgame content for your liking. Got a lot of views, so we appreciate the support from all of you. If you missed those, you can go back and check those out on Twitter, At Palace of Pistons as well. But guys, the Pistons have won two of three. And um, back above 500, they're in the sixth seed right now in the Eastern Conference. But you're kind of at a point where you're starting to see that separation between the top three seeds and that, or even the top four seeds and the bottom four seeds of the playoffs. Um, and then that out of the playoffs, some teams really separating themselves from the mix of contenders to make it and not. So you're finally starting to get some more separation. It's that time of year. The Pistons are the sixth seed. They're above 500. They've won two out of three. And, you know, I, hopefully the only way to go from here is up. Well, I think you would like to think that way. But unfortunately with this Detroit team, I think we really know what they are right now. And the best way to put it is they're very average. And in a rather blunt sense, they're pretty mediocre. You know, they're going to have their good nights where they shoot the ball well. And, you know, more guys than normal can contribute. But... On most nights, it's Blake Griffin, and then it's Blake Griffin praying that one or two other players knows what they're doing that night on the floor and can contribute, because this team has just been riddled with inconsistencies so far this season. You look at guys like Andre Drummond, you know, he has nice stats, you know, 18 points, 15 and a half rebounds, but some of those are nights where he goes off for 25 or 26, and then there's other nights where he gets 8 to 10 points. He just has not been as consistent as you would want him to be this year, especially when you're paying him as much money as you're paying him. You look at the season Reggie Jackson's had. Now, he had a nice game against Minnesota, no doubt about that. But for three or four games before that, he couldn't hold his spot over Jose freaking Calderon. You know, that's pretty. That's a pretty big issue for the third highest paid player on your roster. Jackson's making $16 million a year, and a 40-year-old Jose Calderon was outperforming him and getting the call over him from a very respected and intelligent coach into Wayne Casey on a nightly basis. That That's an issue. And I, I think you said it best early on. Uh, we've learned this team is mediocre. Average at best. Something we didn't want to, going into the season, something we didn't want to do is ride this roller coaster of five-game win streak, four-game losing streak, six-game win streak, seven-game losing streak. And in a sense, it appears that's what we're doing. That's the sign of an inconsistent, mediocre, average team. So, maybe the saddest thing, besides Blake Griffin, the most consistent player for the Pistons this past month two or two has been Stanley Johnson. Is that wrong to say? 
It's not wrong because I don't know if it was something we were expecting. I thought we were going to see mm-hmm. a more. You have guys. I should phrase this way: you have guys above him, Stanley Johnson, on the on the roster. That should be more consistent. You you should expect the consistency first out of Drummond, out of Jackson, not right to Stanley Johnson after Blake Griffin. That's very fair. I I think. I mean, Drummond's still the better player, obviously, of and Drummond's going to have better statistics most nights, but. And that's something you and Ryan and I have talked about off the pod many times is sometimes Drummond's stats are just empty stats, you know? The points that he gets sometimes Don't are just be a fanboy to it. Don't be a fanboy to the stats. Like you, you have to understand that sometimes they're just meaningless empty stats he like, puts up. If Drummond's going to play 35 minutes a night, I would hope to God if he's taking 15 shots a game, he can get to 15 points. You know, you, like you he's think, second in the geez, team in shot attempts think. per game, and we're go, you know, and that doesn't act even, like because he averages, you know, right now he's averaging eighteen and fifteen and fifteen and a half, and people are acting like you know he's doing crazy things. And yeah, those are really good numbers. You know, like I mean, I remember Ryan and I talking about it a few summers ago. We're like, dude, if Drummond gets the eighteen points per game, that's insane. I know like, we were so hyped it. on that, but he's doing it on fifteen shot attempts per game. His field goal percentage is down. I was looking at his where he's shooting at, where his percentages are. From inside five feet, he's shooting 58% from the field. But once you go to five to nine feet, and he's taken uh, a good amount of shots from there. I think it was like 70 so far this season. He's shooting 28%. You know, he's not been as effective. He's turning the ball over while his assists have absolutely cratered, and his role as a distributor has dis- diminished with Blake Griffin there. And, you know, it's fine that his role isn't to be a distributor anymore, and he's not averaging a ton of assists, because Blake Griffin has led the way in that category. But when his turnovers remain at the same level, because he's taking bad drives to the basket and tries to get too fancy with the ball in his hands, that's an issue. And that's the consistency that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about him getting 18 points and 15 rebounds a game because god dude like that's expected from him right now it's the it's the other stuff it's whether he really cares because when he really cares when he plays he can be the second best player on that court or right there with Blake Griffin on a nightly basis but when he doesn't care the stats are empty or he just doesn't play well and the Pistons are pretty much screwed part of it for me with Andre Drummond is is intelligence it's he never kicks the ball out of the post that is something I think would help his game so much. Is that intelligence or selfishness? I think it's selfishness. I, well, no, I definitely think there's some selfishness there. But it could just be intelligence too, dude. I, I mean, if he... There's times when he clearly doesn't have the right position and the back down's not going to work. So then he ends up on a stupid angle and throws up a crap shot. Kick, And he's got guys wide open for the kick out. Kick it out and reposition yourself, you'll get the ball back. Or you're kicking to an open guy for three like Reggie Bullock. But he takes it every time. And the one time he does kick out of the post, no one's ready for it because no one's expecting it. And that's where the inc- it could change so much in the consistency of his game. And I think his stats in every way can get better from there. I think if Drummond just chilled out and brought back more of that distribution piece to his game when he's in the post, when he doesn't have the back down. When he doesn't have the back down, he doesn't have the right position to kick out instead of shoot, would change his entire game, I think, for the better. I think the biggest thing I want from him is for him to just be the athletic, big, dominant finisher that he can be because he is so tall and he's so big and he's so athletic, rather than trying to play with that finesse when he goes with those reverse he layups. He doesn't have the, the finesse layup. like he thinks he does. And it's, and it's only become more of a problem 
since Blake Griffin has come to the roster because Blake Griffin plays with that finesse now. I know. It, it's it's like Andre wants to be Blake. Andre, just be Andre because Andre is a very can good be player, a freaking monster. If Andre just stays within himself and plays as Andre. Pre-Blake Griffin last season, Andre Drummond was, well, he was an all-star, no doubt about it. Yep. And he was just an absolute killer. If he brings back that level of play and that style of play, this team can be better because he doesn't need to be Blake Griffin, and he's not Blake he, Griffin, he so it's hurting the team. I know. Drummond does not need to catch the ball five feet off the three-point line and then go try to drive and finish. That's not his game. Never will be his game. Every time he tries to do it, he either throws up a brick of a shot or turns it over. Stop. Oh, That's come not on. You. you saw his step back three the other day. <laughs> Which was awesome. <clears throat> hey, that was awesome. That was clutch. That had me going wild. That was fantastic. But that, at the moment... That's the exception to the rule. That's not the rule. Yeah. I'll tell you, I think Andre, the way you phrase dominant finisher, I think you could be, if you're referring to his ability to just throw the ball down you know, off a lob, things like that, you could call him a dominant finisher. But I don't think he's ever been a consistent finisher around the rim with the finesse or without the finesse. Um, but... The way that you guys kind of started the pod is I want to kind of circle back to. We know what this Pistons team is. And this is kind of what, at least I think I expected going into the year. Maybe not necessarily the waves. You know, the the win five, lose six, win three, lose four. I necessarily didn't expect that. But I didn't think that this team would be much better than a sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, and, and Blake Griffin's emerged a little more than expected, and he's played really, really well. Was it more than expected? Blake? Yeah. For some. I, we, <laughs> I, yeah, I know, some. I know. That's what okay. I'm getting at. That's for what some. I'm getting at. And Ryan's out here before the season starts. Blake Griffin's coming for LeBron, man. Like, we expected that. I, and do, hey, you have, do you have a spread? what my boy's doing. January 9th. Do you have that spread starting? I mean, we're getting closer to that day. We are getting closer to that day. Like, we have a spread going right now. Do we? we got the, uh, the got drinks, the hors d'oeuvres, you know. <laughs> get the cocktails going. Oh, I'm excited for it. It's, anyway. I mean, it's, it's only at 1030 at night. And, you know, right. it's a weeknight. But other than, that, other than that, we're going for it. Um, but... Now, there's a guy, there's a couple guys I want to talk about. And uh, first, is it just me, or, and I'm going to switch from the Pistons here for just a minute, but are we in like 2011 right now? Because the way that Derrick Rose was playing the other night and is playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves right now is just unreal. And, you know. Aaron was is just old enough to have been able to really experience that Derrick Rose. Oh come on! In his I prime. was plenty old enough to well, watch Derrick Rose. Aaron, I'm not that young. You were like eleven. I watched basketball my entire life. I get that. I'm saying you were just old enough to like know and appreciate it. I do you think as a nine year old you would remember Derrick Rose? Yeah, Derrick. I think no. I think Derrick you would Rose remember it. Killer, I don't know if you would fully appreciate yes. it when you're eight nine. Well, it's weird. It's it's a year, but I feel like once you hit that ten. Thresh mark is when you can really start appreciating things, and that's when Aaron, that's where you were at. Yeah, yeah I'm trying I, to think. That's where you were at. at so that time. my statement was factual. Well, I disagree. I think I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not like five years old, like Derrick Rose. No, but I'm saying you were just old enough to appreciate what Derrick Rose was doing on the floor. Maybe that's more fair. than an average. I appreciate what Derrick Rose did on the floor. Yes, <laughs> without without my age needing to be mentioned, I appreciate what Derrick Rose did and what he's doing right now on the floor. So. 
Uh, but Ryan is somebody who maybe would appreciate it more as a little classier, oh, a little more mature. But dude, this is this is surreal. Thirty three points the other night. My God, it was it was all the classics. It was the step back, up fake and under, the classic finishes, hand in your face, Blake Griffin, every shot, just shooting it right over him, making it unconscious. It was all muscle memory, all those hours of practice. It was it was literally like he was twenty three again. Yeah, fantastic. Honestly, I enjoyed it. Even though it was hurting the Pistons at the time, I still enjoy it. Watching Derrick Rose be Derrick Rose is one of the great joys in basketball. He's, Am I wrong? He's a fun player to watch because the way that he can get to the basket, especially after the injuries he's gone through, it's it's just fun to see because it's it's crazy to think he can go through so many surgeries and still have that burst and still have that ability to finish with contact, with finesse, with the reverse, with the speed that he still has. The first step. It, seriously, his first step. He should... A guy who's had that many surgeries. Who's, how old is Derrick Rose? About 29, 30, 31? Not range, yeah. And then, I don't know, whatever he is. But to have that many surgeries, so technically, and you're starting to get up there in NBA age, so your your quickness, your speed, should all starting to de- be starting to diminish a little bit. His first step looks like he's 18 years old. So quick. His twitch, phenomenal. And here's, here's the most interesting thing. At 30 years old, he's been in the league for double-digit years, and he's shooting on over three attempts per game, 47% from the three-point line. He has Ugh. never been a three-point no, shooter. No, he has not. And no, like, like, no one would ever expect Derrick Rose to become that good of a three-point shooter. I mean, he he's a career 31% three-point shooter, and he's now shooting 47%. Like... You make up for your loss of athleticism with a skill like that, and we're seeing a guy that's averaging 19 points per game, five this assists, is coming off and the is bench. shooting He's not even as starting. well as he has. This is like he has when, been great this year. When Teague is healthy, which Teague wasn't healthy, that's why he started. Rose comes off the bench. Yeah, Derrick Rose is a starting point guard in this league again. That's with how well he's shooting, that is so nice. It's like that's so awesome. It's I, I honestly it like makes it's one of those like makes you happy because he he was he was so good in those Bulls days. It was it was dominance. It was crazy, and to see it's all, not all the way back. You'll never be twenty two again, but to see the way it's happening, fantastic. This is a starting point guard. This is a guy that needs mm-hmm. to maybe get out of Minnesota because he's a starting point guard. Well, do you think though that he's going to be loyal to Tom Thibodeau? And do you think that I mean he experienced his best days in Chicago with Tom Thibodeau, and maybe Thibodeau is getting the most out of Derrick Rose? Do you think that has any effect? It might. I mean, it could. Guys have different reasons for doing what they do. And look, hey, everyone said Derrick Rose's career was over. Done. Tibbs didn't think so. Tibbs brought him back. Tibbs played him a lot. Put all that confidence in him. And look what Derrick Rose is doing. Outside of Jimmy Butler, the Bulls players from, from Tibbs' teams, they've stayed pretty loyal. Oh, yeah, they do. I mean, Aaron Brooks. I mean, Jimmy Butler's an Taj outlier. Gibson. Jim, Jimmy Butler's going to do what Jimmy Butler does. But outside of that, yeah. There's a like. There's a reason every every former bull is linked to the Timberwolves now, right? Because Tom Thibodeau's there. Nope. People on the outside of that circle just don't seem to get it. Like Bulls fans were fed up with Thibodeau. Timberwolves fans at times seem to get fed up with Thibodeau. National media is like, this guy could lose his job. Yet the players keep coming back to him. Exactly. Sometimes it's just about there, loyalty. There's just something the there. At you, people watch Tibbs and like. The dude's kind of a bum. Like he's just not a very good coach. There's times when you're like, "What's this guy doing?" Yet players can something. You know, people 
the narratives are. He's not great with his players. I mean, I've seen that narrative. I don't know how true. It's clearly not true. Because look at the loyalty that lies within. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that guy. You even look, just look at him, you're like, why would you want to play for him? <laughs> but players continue to come back. So I, there's something there. There's yeah, something there. It's something special. You know, to kind of change the note, there's a guy on the Pistons over the last three games averaging 24 points a game. He had 33 versus Minnesota the other night. He set a career high versus Milwaukee, and then he beat that career high versus Minnesota the other night. That guy is Reggie Bullock, and guys, the emergence of the real Reggie on this team. Reggie Bullock has been, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Well, it's vital to the Pistons' success because when Reggie Bullock came out of the gates to start the season and was shooting, you know, 10% from the three-point line, that regression was very, very worrisome. But then he goes down with that injury, and since he's come back and he's been the best Reggie Bullock we've ever seen, which is crazy because last year I thought Reggie Bullock should have been in the most improved player consideration for the way that he improved and the Agreed. way that he played. And he has come out this since that, that um, injury that cost him five or six games. And he's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he shoots the ball with such consistency. And the thing is, I wish his confidence would rub off on some of the other Pistons players, i.e. Luke Kennard. You know, real quick, you know what's crazy? is You can see when Reggie Bullock's confident and when he's not so clearly in his shot. He's got a smooth form, but when he was struggling, you could... I, I can't. I'd, we'd have to be in front of the film to like really break it down. But you can see him almost force the shot with his form. But like against Minnesota, when you know he was just feeling He's everything talking. he was throwing up, it didn't matter, dude. Everything was so. It was just so natural and natural. And you can see when he's confident, when he's not. And a confident Reggie Bullock. Is probably the best shooter on the planet. And, and the thing is, this is what we talked about, though. We talked about Blake Griffin. A guy that would really work well with him is a guy like Reggie Bullock. And now that you have Reggie Bullock going, it kind of it doesn't eliminate because Detroit still has one wing spot that they just have not gotten production from. Whoever the starter is this season, whether it be, have been Stanley Johnson, Luke Kennard, or Glenn Robinson III, one of the wing spots has just not given production when they start. On a nightly basis. But when you get a wing scorer like Reggie Bullock, the things we've talked about in weeks past, Blake Griffin needs a scorer from the wing. Reggie Bullock has helped fill that. And that problem becomes a little bit less of a problem with Reggie Bullock playing the way he has. It's still an issue because Luke Kennard, Luke Kennard and Reggie Bullock right now is the best pairing. But Luke Kennard has to find a, a, a level of consistency. He has to find a level of confidence to shoot the ball and be assertive within the offense. Because when those two are on the floor, you have that spacing. And we saw it. This team can win when those two are on the court together, spacing around Blake Griffin, spacing around Andre Drummond. Because they're shooting, their playmaking ability, the way Bullock can compete on the defensive end, the way Kennard can just fit into the offense seamlessly, whether you know we, whether he has a ball or is just moving off the ball. That pairing works with the way this team is built with Jackson, Drummond, and Griffin. So those two got to put it together. And Bullock right now has put it together in the best way possible. But that leaves concern for free agency when both him and Stanley Johnson are free agents and Detroit's going to have to make a decision on who to cough up the money for. Because, and I've said this before, I don't envision them paying both players. No, I agree. I don't think both are getting paid. It's one or the other. And where where do you want the money to go? Because clearly, if Reggie Bullock even remotely keeps this up, he's going to be demanding fourteen to sixteen million a year. Where are you putting that money? And this is something we talked about. Does does bringing back Reggie Bullock for four years 
15 million a year, let's say, let's just call split the difference. Does that lead this team out of mediocrity, or is that just a mediocre move? So, I mean, where are you putting this? Where are you at? Where are you allocating this money? I think it's tough because you'd like to think Luke Kennard and Bruce Brown have, have future have futures on this team. I think Bruce Brown. I mean, I can only rave about Bruce Brown so much. I think he's going to be such a special talent. And I like Luke Kennard's ability to score the basketball. I think if he can just figure out whatever his confidence issue here's is. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It seems to be a consistent trend that with the fifth starter. The fifth starter being Stanley Johnson, Glenn Robinson, Luke Kennard. That they don't feel comfortable being a scorer with that starting lineup. Because it feels like roles are in place and stuck to like Blake Griffin is the leader the primary scorer one of the primary ball handlers Drummond has to get his touches has to put up his 18 tonight Bullock is their wing shooter and Reggie Jackson you know does what Reggie Jackson does all scores before that fifth option you can see it when Luke Kennard would you can see the hesitation in Luke Kennard when he's open he'll still look to pass when he's with that first group Stanley Johnson you see how he's with the second group and he's just pulling everything or driving when he feels like he can really do it because he's confident with the starting lap. He wasn't doing that. Glenn Robinson, when he would start, he at first would go for the basket, but eventually as the game starts getting to the game, he's just distributing, not really looking for any sort of offense. It seems to be a theme with that fifth starter spot that the four men who occupy those spots for good have their roles and those are the four main guys the fifth guy's a bit of the outlier, just there to fill out the rotation. Am I wrong? No. No. And and that's something we got to get over. I it's think like a mental the best hurdle point, we got to get over. The best point you made there, does signing Reggie Bullock to four years, $15 million, to keep him on the roster take you out of mediocrity? And that's a question you have to ask yourself. And I don't think it does. It doesn't. It doesn't. But at the same time, you, I think you need Bullock on this team to be good, unless you're making a considerable considerable upgrade. And that means Detroit's got to, In reality, you'd love to keep both Bullock and Johnson because if those two have been so good for this team recently, like, you want to keep them in their roles. You want to keep Bullock in your starting lineup, and you want to have Stanley as your sixth man. But that means if John Luer, you know, John Luer's been decent when he's gotten minutes, you got to find a way to get him off the books. Langston Galloway, his trade value has never been higher. You got to get him off the books. You got to clear cap space if you want to keep both of those players. You might have to find another guy. You know, Ishmith's a free agent at the end of the season. You might have to let him walk, and you might have to commit to either Luke or Bruce Brown being your backup point guard, or you got to find some guy that wants to come in at the veterans minimum, or you got to draft a rookie that you're going to be fine playing at the point guard spot. If you want to keep both those guys, you're going to have to finagle some some cap. Reggie Jackson's another guy that could get dealt, but I think if Jackson's getting dealt. You don't want you want to get a better point guard because you need a good point guard, and it's going to be tough to keep both. But I really think I just I love the the depth on the wing, and I think they all have unique roles because Bullock here starting the starting guard that can shoot the heck out of the ball, and Luke Kennard can be that as well. But then you have Bruce Brown that can start be a defender. You you want to develop him at the one spot. You have Stanley who's been your sixth man. I think you want to keep those four. I think everything is so contingent on Luke Kennard. You could see it in the Minnesota game. Even though he shot one for seven or whatever it was with a couple air balls, you can see even when he wasn't shooting, when he drives, he commands attention when he drives. Easy kicks. How many times did he have an easy kick out to Bullock or Jackson for an open three? He commands it. So if he can get consistent with his shot again 
and his driving ability, that is such a huge... Like, that's a piece that's even more important than Reggie Bullock. That, that's the main piece right there. Mm-hmm. And then the... And it's getting over that mm-hmm. mental hurdle. And then the defensive presence you've gotten out of Stanley Johnson coming off the bench. I mean, even in that Milwaukee game, came in, really was locked down defensively, guarding Giannis, and then hitting those threes. Like, what in the world? No one, no one was expecting Wow, that. what a night against Milwaukee Stanley had. You know, it's too bad. I, too bad they couldn't finish. I wonder why he played so well. You know, there might have been a certain person in the building that's uh, <laughs> stuck with Johnson through the thick and thin and, hey uh, man, your uh, your confidence was wavering just before he went off. It like was, that. it was. You but were it wasn't like, it's time to move him. It's time to move him. Yeah, wasn't. Aaron's like gone. at ESPN trade maker sitting in Little I Caesars know. Arena, and then all of a sudden he's like, close it, close it, close it, <laughs> going off. It was just, uh, it was, it was a nice night for Stanley Johnson to say uh, the, the least. Very he, least. He had a, he had a really nice game, especially down the stretch, um, and, and that was a game that you know you have to think if. Reggie Jackson wasn't putting himself in a position because I'm not faulting Dwayne Casey one bit. I have no problem with what Dwayne Casey did, and I know Aaron might have a different opinion. I have no problem with what Dwayne Casey did. In what? In not playing Reggie Jackson in the fourth quarter. Instead of Jose Calderon? Yes. That's ridiculous. I have no problem with it. That's why. Because as as someone that coaches basketball and understands what it's like, and obviously on a much smaller scale, coaching at a high school level compared to um, you know, pros, very different, but also seeing it at a college level as well. Dealing with personalities is more than 50% of the job. And when you have a guy that maybe is more talented um, than another, but he has a really bad attitude, it's going to affect guys in your locker room. Wait, why is it an attitude problem with Jackson? Well, could you see his like body language? Could you see like how out of it he was on that bench? Beyond the fact that he wasn't playing well. Beyond the fact that he hasn't Jackson been playing was not great. the issue against Milwaukee. But there's a reason why Reggie Jackson didn't go back into that game. Not a good reason. What do you that you know of or don't know of? You I have mean, no idea what's going on inside that locker room. There's I'm, a reason. I Listen, I am going to give Dwayne Casey, the reigning coach of the year, my trust on this matter. And as the coach of that team, if there was an issue and a reason why Reggie Jackson, because, I mean, again, not to use Twitter as a reason, but, I mean, the last few games you know, you've seen pictures of you know, Reggie Jackson looking like he's pouting with the captions of, when they're talking about trading you and like or when they talk about upgrading at your position or things like that you could just tell something was going on with Reggie and I thought he was playing relatively lazy in that game as well and if Dwayne Casey wants to make that decision I know Aaron will be like oh he's making 16 million dollars a year he's your starting point guard blah 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 if we're going to give Dwayne Casey credit for the things he does as a coach I'm going to give him my trust in saying you know what if he doesn't want to play Reggie Jackson for whatever that reason is, the guy's a coach of the year, the guy's doing a great job with this team, the guy's connecting with a lot of guys on the roster, I have no problem. Overstatement. 
this team's 15 and 14. Saying Dwayne Casey's done a great job. But is they definitely put, an they're, they're 15 and 14, but it's a lot better than what last year looked like under Stan Van Gundy. Okay. He's, and this, this team team's playing a totally better. different brand of basketball. Okay, so let's go back to this because Reggie Jackson, first off, yeah, he's making $16 million. He's your third best player, he's a part of your core. 38-year-old Jose Calderon is not a part of your core. Let's talk about the way Dwayne Casey has utilized Reggie Jackson this year. He has regulated Reggie Jackson into being a spot-up three-point shooter and playing less and less off the ball. The worst way to play Reggie Jackson because Reggie Jackson is a ball-dominant point guard. And Reggie let's, Jackson's a terrible decision-maker with go, the ball. Let's go back to the, their last game against Minnesota. Reggie Jackson gets the basketball, starts running the pick-and-roll. What do the Pistons get? They get points. Because Reggie Jackson in the pick and roll is the best way to utilize him. Let me let me cut in right here real quick. That was a point that I felt needed to be made. Um, is Reggie Jackson's usage, how they're using him as a spot-up three-point shooter, that's incorrect. And I feel like that's why we're seeing not what we want to see out of Reggie Jackson. He is a pick and roll dominant point guard. And, and when you put him in the pick and roll, he does very well. And the team does very well. And there's times throughout the year we've been like, wow, it is a big-time struggle to get points for this offense. This offense is crap. There's too many lulls. It's too streaky. It is tough to watch this offense at times. And then you throw Jackson in the pick and roll, and things open up. He's putting buckets in. It helps the offense. And so I think it's a usage problem with the way they're using him more than anything else. My point to that is that Stan Van Gundy – used the pick and roll for the last four or five years with Reggie Jackson. And I think the problem with Reggie is that, yes, he can be effective in the pick and roll, but he also turns the ball over. He also then bogs down the offense. Jackson turns the ball over at the average of any starting point guard. He's by no means a turnover prolific point guard. Uh, if you went more pick, if you went a heavier usage of pick and roll, that would probably increase. I really Jackson's don't think a terrible so. decision maker. He's an awful decision. I think maker. I think Jackson's bad decisions get highlighted way more than the amount of good decisions and normal decisions he makes. I think he does make bad decisions at times, but let's not discredit him for the way that he does move the basketball at times. And and what and percentage the way that he can get to the basket in ways that Jose Calderon has literally no chance to at this stage in his career. And what percentage of play do you want to use on the pick and roll to take away touches from Blake Griffin? It doesn't like, have to take away touches from Blake Griffin. The like let's like Mike Snyder of Detroit Bad Boys put out some clips of Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, pick and roll, Blake as the kickout man, and it's success every time. Because Reggie and Andre carry so much dominance in the pick and roll that so much attention is drawn to them. Because either Jackson's going to get by and he's going to finish at the rim, or he's lobbing it up to Andre Drummond, who's going for the slam. And when those two go towards the rim together, the defense has to crater in on them, or it's an automatic bucket. So then Blake Griffin's standing out on the, uh, standing out on the wing, and Jackson can kick it to Griffin. And Griffin can either shoot it, or he can go and dribble into a jumper, or he can go and dribble towards the rim and go up, or he can kick it because then you're then you 
move over to Blake Griffin because you have to recover to guard Blake Griffin. Then you have one of your shooters, Reggie Bullock or Luke Kennard. You have them spotting up in the corners. It's the most basic offense that will work with this team because it's the best way to utilize their, their three best players or the two of their three best players because Blake is good in his in his facilitating role and his ball handling role. But when Reggie Jackson is able to operate with the basketball in the pick and roll alongside Andre Drummond, that's the, that's the usage that both of them are best in, in the pick and roll. And it works I, I, when those three that's, are out there together. But that's just not how Dwayne Casey wants to play. Okay, and that's why the Pistons are mediocre. It, that's, There's okay. really no I, question to it. No, if the, the Pistons, Pistons are 15 and 14 and have dropped, the Pistons have run the picket line for the last Jackson, five years and been mediocre. They're relying on oh. Reggie Jackson to be this amazing three-point shooter that he's never been and, quite frankly, will never be. This team scores the ball when they're running the pick and roll with him and Andre. All right, boys, I think I think there's a happy medium here. Um, Brendan, you make a point with all we've been doing is running the pick and roll, and it clearly hasn't been working. And Aaron, your point is we're really not doing any pick and roll, and a little bit we do does work. There's a split where it doesn't have to be constant pick and roll and constant Reggie off the ball. Dwayne Casey needs to find that exactly. split. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's so that's then what we answer need to the get question at. I asked of what usage do you, what percentage do you think that needs to I, be used? I don't have the numbers of what percentage they run of each specific play type. I can't tell you that off the top of my head. I'm just saying it has to be more than the handful of times they run it throughout a game. And and I think it's unfair of you to say that they've run the pick and roll the last five years when the team has won. Reggie Jackson has been injured. They haven't had a guy like Blake Griffin to give the ball to. And they haven't had the shooting pieces to kick out to. They've never had any of those pieces to run the pick and roll the way that they can run the pick and roll this year. And so for you to just say that and like make it like I'm just coming out of the blue with this, it just isn't really fair. But, again, they have, I think Ryan makes a point of there is there is a split in there. Um, but to me, it's just, can you utilize the pick and roll more? Sure you can. Dude, their offense has been not good this year. But I get Blake has posted numbers, and he's played well, but the play style hasn't been conducive to really anyone else. But I, I'll just tell you, I, I don't think that you can, I, I think you can increase the pick and roll usage, but my guess of a number that you would want would probably overshoot the amount you should use it. We'll see. I, I hope they try it more. I hope that Minnesota game woke them up because Reggie Jackson got to the basket and he's a good finisher at the rim when he can work with Drummond in the pick and roll, and it worked. So I really hope that opened their eyes up to it a little bit and they go back to it because regulating Jackson as a spot-up shooter has resulted in the play that he's played with. It's not been good. And when you're paying a guy $16 million and you're cap-strapped and this is the team you have, you need him to play good. So you got to play to his strengths. I guess we'll see where the Pistons decide to go with it, but um, yeah, no, it's just it's 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 just tough because I still don't think that I don't know. Now, boys, there's, there's just a level of balance you have to find. Throwing it down to Blake Griffin in the post every time. What have we found out? He's a great he's, ball handler, but he's a bit turnover he prone. Is. He is. The quadruple, he's a bit. The quadruple double shows that from the other night. So there's a balance. It it not okay. Blake Griffin is a man amongst men. But when we're constantly throwing to Blake to post up and do his kickout game or take to the basket, it leads to stagnation and it leads to some turnovers. Obviously, Blake's not a point guard. He's very he's got good ball handling skills. He can make good decisions, but at times he's gonna lose the ball. Because he has such high usage with well, the ball. What kept happening. So there needs to be some more balance. And I do believe Aaron's right in bringing the pick and roll 
brings that bounce. Because then you can kick out to Blake too if uh, Reggie Jackson doesn't have the finish or the lob pass to Andre. You have the kick to Blake. And we saw at times when they did kick to Blake in that Minnesota game, there was so much more consistency. Blake was more fluid. There were good things. I'm not saying run it into the ground with the pick and roll. There's still good reason to use Blake on the let him post up, do his thing, kick out. But there's you need to strike a balance. There's a balance there, fellas. And I think that's the middle ground of your argument. And I think that's what Dwayne Casey needs to find. That will lead this team out of their mediocrity. I'm not saying it's going to lead them to a one or two seed or anything. But we're not going to see as much stagnation on the offensive end. And we're just going to see a better overall, better flowing team. I do believe that. Yeah. I think it's just a very simple argument to say that the pick and roll would just be the most basic offense that works with this team. Because you're still talking about professionals that will adjust to that promptly. You may you may find a short wind of success. I just don't see that as being a long-term solution. Um, because I... I, I feel like Dwayne Casey would be smart enough to realize that, oh, if this could work at a higher volume, we'd use it more. But I guess we'll see the Rowdy goes and if they make any adjustments to their style of play after the Minnesota game. Well, the Pistons have a handful of upcoming games. Uh, they play tonight as they look to stay above 500. They currently sit at 15-14. and 14. They have another matchup with the Hornets in a game that... You know they'll probably lose. God, I hate the Hornets. Every, I hate the every Hornets. year they just lose to the Hornets, and when they're clearly the better team it's, in Charlotte, uh, man, fifteen and fifteen, it sucks. It's tough. And then you know you come home to play the Hawks, the Wizards, before going back to the road trip to play the Pacers, Magic, and so on from there. It's actually a long road trip. Um, Is it their sixth uh, game? I think they have a five or six game. I guess it's not that season. long. I thought it was longer. It's only three. No, it's four. It's a four-game road trip. Then they come home to play the Jazz on January 5th. So the Pistons... A, a lighter, lighter schedule starting to come up here. Yeah, a little stretch of needing to put some wins So you together. better start winning these Need games. Need to start putting some wins together. If you could finish December 500, that might not be the worst thing in the world. You just got to stay at 500 or above. Can't fall below. But the Pistons, they got a few games coming up. We'll be potting again next week talking about... Uh, you know, the, the style of play and where the Pistons are at, hopefully sitting above 500, 15 and 14 now. And, well, boys, I thought today was a good pod. So I appreciate everybody who's tuned in to the Palace of Pistons podcast today. A reminder, you can follow us on Twitter, at Palace of Pistons, on Instagram, at Palace Pistons. Check out our website, palaceofpistons.com. Like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You know the drill. Let your friends know. You know, maybe there's some people over the Christmas break. They're off from work. They're off from school. Tell them about the pod. They got a little free time on their hands. We'd love to get them on as some active listeners. Again, you can follow Aaron on Twitter at a Johnson NBA. Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Pay. You can follow myself at Media Brendan. And well, everybody have a happy holiday, and we will see you next week here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.